Welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Vasavi Kumar. If you're eager to gain clarity, speak with unwavering confidence, and liberate those inner voices, you're in the perfect spot. My mission here is to empower you to break free, find fulfillment, and ignite your passion. You ready? It's time to say it out loud. I've put together a guide of my top 10 tested and proven to work practical strategies and habits to help bright women like you say no, set your boundaries right, live confidently, and build healthy relationships, starting with the relationship you have with yourself. This is a self-paced guide, and I can't wait for you to dig into it so you can start becoming your most confident self because she's in there waiting for you. Head to the link in my show notes or go to vasavikumar.com forward slash guide and grab it today. We are every day receiving the messages that we're not enough. I mean, as women generally, regardless of race, we receive those messages, right? In patriarchal societies. But then on top of that, black and brown women receive the message that, yes, you're, you're a woman and you're a melanated woman. You're a black or a brown woman. So you're not at the same level as a white woman. So it's our job to really learn to really affirm and love ourselves because we're not going to get it from outside of ourselves. We don't live in a society that fully recognizes what black and brown girl magic is. So we need to affirm it for ourselves. And then we also need to affirm it for one another. Hey everyone, it's Vasavi Kumar, licensed therapist and your host of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. For over two decades, I have been relentless when it comes to understanding and figuring out why we think the way we do, what stops us from going after our dreams, and how to get anything we want in life. From Mind Body Green to VH1 to Fox News and some of the top-rated podcasts out there, my message has always been consistent. When you know yourself, you can do anything. I've helped thousands of people from all walks of life, from stay-at-home moms to entrepreneurs to people in recovery, to start thinking differently and change themselves from the inside out. And I'm going to do the same for you. Whether it's through the interviews I have with my guests or answering your questions right here on the show, here's my promise to you. If you're willing to take action on even 1% of what you hear today, your life will be unrecognizable. Get ready for unfiltered and unscripted conversations with some of the brightest people in mental health, marketing, relationships, and business. We're pulling back the curtain so you can see what it really takes to be human and become the person you want to be here on the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. I couldn't be more excited to be sharing today's interview with you. I originally recorded this interview with my guest, Layla F. Saad, back in May of 2018. Now, with everything that's going on right now that's been brought to surface, Layla's work is so necessary. It's always been necessary. And right now, the work that she puts out into the world is something that every single one of us needs to be doing, which is dismantling our own privilege and really doing the work to become not just not racist, but to be anti-racist. Layla is a New York Times and Sunday Times bestselling author. She's an anti-racism educator, international speaker, and podcast host on the topics of race, identity, leadership, personal transformation, and social change. And she is the author of the groundbreaking Me and White Supremacy, which came out in 2020. And it's I own a copy of the book, and I've gone through the workbook myself. And she initially offered this for free in an Instagram challenge and in a self-published digital workbook back in 2018 when we had originally recorded this interview. 
By the way, this workbook was downloaded by 100,000 people in a matter of six months. Layla is East African, Arab, British, Black, and a Muslim woman who was born and grew up in the West and lives in the Middle East. So she's always sat at this unique intersection of identities from which she's able to draw rich and intriguing perspectives. And I love this because I think behind all the work that we do in our in our life and in our business, there needs to be a fundamental core why. Like, why are we doing this? <clears throat> and so for Layla, she her work is driven by her desire to become a good ancestor. She has a podcast called The Good Ancestor Podcast. And she wants to live and work in ways that leave a legacy of healing and liberation for those who will come after her after she is gone. And I just want to say this up front. Once again, this episode was recorded in May of 2018. Layla and I will be interviewing a brand new interview coming up. But I reached out to Layla and I was like, Layla, I got to re-release this this interview that we did because it is so timely right now. And of course, Layla being who she is, so extremely gracious and just wanting to get her work out there. And, you know, she knows the importance of her message. She said, go ahead, re-release it. But I just want you all to know that this is just part one. We are going to be having another conversation. We are going to, we are scheduling our interview for a little bit down the road. She's inundated right now with so many media interviews with everything that's going on with the death of George Floyd and our country going through the biggest civil rights movement that it's, it's experienced or probably in the past 20 years. So I am very, very, very honored to um, once again, be able to share this with you. And if you've been asking yourself like, well, what do I do? Where do I start? I know that I want to look at myself. I know I want to be able to dismantle my own beliefs and biases, and I don't know where to start. Start with Layla's book. It is literally a step-by-step workbook, handbook, and will map out exactly what you need to be doing. This is not to shame you. This is not to make you feel crappy about being white. It's just in, in all areas of life, right? We have to look at ourselves. And I will say this, and I do this, and I talk about this in other episodes, that like you have to be willing to look at yourself. You have to be willing to look at those uncomfortable truths about yourself that you haven't had to look at, right? Whether it's you're, you're trying to improve your health, your fitness, your relationships, your career, your finances, it all starts with being really aware and uncomfortably comfortable with where you're at right now. What is your reality right now? How do you think about certain situations right now? What are those beliefs that are keeping you stuck? And so without further ado, I cannot wait to be sharing this episode with you. So go ahead, listen, get the book, Me and White Supremacy, if you haven't already, and let's get to work. So Leila, how would you describe uh, who you are, what is it that you do, and why do you do it? Oh, good questions. Um, so I've been thinking a lot lately about the about Audrey Lord and the way that she defined herself, and she had she defined herself with so many different labels, and that really calls to me. She she defined herself as a writer, poet, mother, lover, warrior, um, and that feels good to me. I'm a writer, mother, poet. Um, lover, warrior. Um, I'd also include probably a healer. My work, I, I think, is quite healing. Um, an artist, uh, because I think words and poetry are art. Um, and a teacher, I guess. That's a label that I have been learning to soften around as well. Um, 
so what do I do? I write, um, I host conversations around the topics of race, spirituality, feminism, and leadership. And I do that, um, on my website, Wild Mystic Woman. I do it on Patreon. I do it through my podcast. Um, and why do I do it? Um, I do it because I have this calling to contribute in some way to healing in the world. I have a calling to be a good ancestor, to help create a better future for later generations. And I do it because my identities and who I am are so tied into all of this that to not do it would feel like chopping one part of myself off from myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense just hearing you say that you have a calling. It's not even like, you know, when I hear that, I hear it's not even something that you... I mean, obviously, it's something that you want to do, right? But it's also something that you have to do because of who you are, where you, mm. um, your ancestry, you know? And so that's the piece that I was kind of hearing when you said you have a calling. And um, let me ask you that for, for, for the people who, who are listening who have not yet to experience your beautiful work yet, who do you target in your podcast and in your writing? Who are you trying would- Sorry, you know, I would actually say that first and foremost, it's a conversation with myself. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Always, always. It's it's a conversation that begins within. I'm very much a deep thinker, um, very much a uh, like a very introverted, contemplative type of person. And so these conversations are often conversations I'm having with myself first. And my work um, is about both inner and outer work. So a lot of people know me for writing about, um, things happening outside, you know, in the, in the spirituality industry, in the personal growth industry, in, you know, in systems, but, uh, but my work began and continues to be fueled as well by the internal questions that we're asking within. So questions that I'm asking myself, questions that I'm encouraging other people to ask themselves first about, their relationship with themselves, their relationship with um, the divine God, however you define that, their relationship with each other, uh, us as a collective and communities. Um, And so it begins within first. And then um, I uh, have made a choice to consciously center, elevate, celebrate um, women of color, Black, Indigenous uh, women of color um, as a way of bringing about the change that I want to see. I spent a really long time being angry about the um, dominance of white people in the spaces that I spend time in. And uh, it's kind of like hitting your head against a brick wall. Like it is what it is. Um, That is the nature of of white supremacy, of white, um, uh, of white uh, privilege. Um, And so my kind of balm to that, my medicine that I chose was instead of railing, just railing against what I don't want to see, let me start building what I do want to see, which is women of color, uh, melanated women being elevated and celebrated and, and, and hearing their stories and getting to see their magic and getting to feel their medicine. 
um, that was really missing for me, at least. You know, um, I was saying to you, Vasavi, that it's so rare for me to be interviewed by a woman of color. And I was just saying to my one of my best friends, who's, who's a black woman, she is about to start a podcast as well. And she was asking me about, you know, what what questions have you not been asked that you would want to be asked? And I said to her, actually, it's really rare that I get interviewed by a black woman. That's really, really rare. Um, and so... Surprising. Sorry. sorry? I said that's surprising, actually. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I was, <laughs> it's surprising, but it's also not because it is what it is a white dominated industry. It is a white dominated space. Um, and so we, you know, when I first started my podcast, for example, I fell into the same trap. I noticed after the first six episodes that, huh, why do I keep interviewing white women? <laughs> Where are the women of color? Why am I not able to find them? Um, why do I feel like a minority in my own business? Um, and so that had to become a really conscious choice for me because the default is white people. That is the default. Um, and that's not, it's not, that's not to say anything bad. It just is what it is. Um, but the, the choice to say, actually, I want to make sure that every time I host an episode, it's someone new or someone um, that hasn't that doesn't have this the spotlight shined on on them by another woman of color, um, and so I find those conversations to be so fruitful, so deep, so nourishing, so real um, in a way that is is just different. It's different to having the conversation with a white uh, woman than it is having it with another woman of woman of color. You can go to places that you're not able to. Um, and so it, it creates a richer conversation, but yeah, so to go back to your question, you know, I consciously choose to center women of color. Um, but the, the case still is that a lot of my audience are still white. That's um, thing. that's like, it, it's like, I, I'm not surprised though. I'm not, I no. have, yeah, because I think you're speaking to, you know, that particular audience, like there is that movement of like, okay, we realize that we have been the oppressor. What do we do about it now? And you help with that. Although I know mm. you don't really like to play that role of educator, right? No, I don't because, because that's not what I am. I love um, and I, and, and it's, and we have to be really careful as, uh, as women, as people of color to not feel like that has to be our job. My job, my calling is writing and is um, speaking. It's not educating. I, you, you know, so I say, you know, I say I'm a, te- I'm a teacher and it's something I'm softening into, but it's not, I have friends who are anti-racist educators. That's what they are called to do. They host workshops, they run courses, they write books that are educational books. They are educators. I am not. Um, and, and that's okay. We have to own who we are and not feel like because we're people of color that we have to take on that role as educator. Well, I want to tell you that as a brown woman, I am so drawn to everything that you write because a lot of what you have written, I have experienced firsthand from growing up in an all-white town. You right. Know, 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm so drawn to what you write. I, I don't read anybody's stuff, Layla. I'm not just saying this. Like, I, I don't have the attention span. But, uh, no, I don't. I have ADHD. I'm just like, all right, this is boring. You know, <laughs> I get bored so quickly. I read every line of what you write. So I wanted to make sure that when I um, spoke to you today, that and and I know you and I talked about this too. Like, we didn't want to make the focus all about white people so i um i mm. i yeah i i didn't because i wanted to respect the fact that you are an edu- that sorry that you do not want to be an educator so instead i want to ask you some questions about uh you know just self-care and maintaining boundaries if you're a brown and a black woman so can we go ahead mm. and- yes let's do that okay so the first question is how can brown slash black women practice exquisite self-care while navigating the society that we live in today? I love this question. Um, I love this question because I am in the question. I am living that question currently. Um, You know, a lot of the work that I have been doing has taken me to some places within myself where um, I, I, there's a lot of anger um, and I, I own anger. It's something that I've reclaimed, but at the same time, anger is anger and it does what it does within the body. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, um, it can really wreak havoc on us, um, to be in a constant state of anger, to be in a constant state of stress, anxiety, depression, um, just feeling unsafe, feeling, you know, feeling on edge is, is it, it will slowly kill us from within. Mm-hmm. And so part of what it means um, for me, at least to, you know, I'm constantly thinking about this new, this new world that we're trying to create where white supremacy is dismantled. Like who do we need to be in order to be ready for that world? How, how do we need to be showing up now in order that we're ready for that world. And for me, what that looks like is really prioritizing uh, self-care, really being um, really being conscious of loving, like <laughs> I got this download the other day that it's like, it's my job to love myself like nobody on this planet can love me. Um, from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I fall asleep, it is my job to love myself, to affirm myself, to be soft with myself, to nourish myself, to celebrate myself, to, um, express myself, to beautify myself, to all of those things that make me feel loved. That's my job. That's one thing that I, I really do have control over is the way, is my relationship with myself. Um, and you know, for I I know you you will know this. I grow. I also grew up in all white environments, mm-hmm. um, and we grow up with this kind of um, feeling of waiting for external validation from uh, from white people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we grow up with with wanting external validation from a lot of people, but there is a specific dynamic there that happens where. Once you get that approval, like you're, you're good, you're set. Right. And so there's, um, part of the reclamation work for black and brown women is learning to recenter where you get your validation from and that it comes from within. It doesn't come from those forces outside of us. 
Um, and so self-care, self-love is a, is a radical act of resistance. It's a form of activism, like personal activism. Um, and so it's our job to do it like nobody else, because from the moment we are born, when we're when we are growing up, when we are living in these spaces where white is dominant, we are every day receiving the messages that we're not enough. Um, I mean, as women generally, regardless of race, we receive those messages, right? In patriarchal societies. But then on top of that, black and brown women receive the message that, yes, you're, you're a woman and you're a melanated woman you're a black or a brown woman so already you you don't you don't you're not at the same level as a white woman um and so it's our job to really learn to really affirm and love ourselves because we're not going to get it from outside of ourselves we don't live in a society that fully recognizes what black and brown girl magic is so we need to affirm it for ourselves and then we also need to affirm it for one another we need to uplift one another um, because another way that white supremacy operates is kind of a divide and conquer. Yeah. Right. Um, and so another radical act of resistance is learning to see one another. This is what I love so much about doing my podcast is that I get to have these conversations, these amazing women, I get to learn from them and I get to uplift them and they get to uplift me. And it's just like this beautiful, like black, brown girl love fest. Um, and so that it's really powerful. It's just, it it really, you need to do it. Like it's your damn job. (laughs) I love that. It's our job to radical, you know, with the whole radical activism and just self care. And I, you know what I, this is like a, this is like a quotable, right? Like it is like, you have to love yourself like no other from the time you get up until the time you go to bed. And that is difficult, especially when you've been told your whole, whole life, you're different. You're not good looking because you're this color. I mean, I will tell you this. I was made fun of for being hairy because I'm Indian and we're hairy. And mm-hmm. um, I was called Elvis. I was called Elvis. Like, wow. all, do you know what an obsession I have with hair removal, by the way? Right. Right. Even to this day, like you will never see me with the like upper lip hair. You will never, you know what I mean? And like that stuck with me. Like, obviously I'm like a lot more forgiving with myself if I, if I'm hormonal and I have hair, you know what I mean? But like, but like that shit really sticks. Right. So I love what you're doing on your podcast. I love that you're creating a community. Um, Actually, not that you're creating a community. You've already created a community. And so this leads me to my second question. Why is it so important for women of color to have a solid support system? And Mm. how do we go about cultivating this? Especially like, you know, I was raised in an all white town. Like our family was like one of three Indian families. Obviously now that's like, that has changed because Indians are everywhere. Like I speaking for my, for my people, but like, what do you do to cultivate that community? Let's take a quick break. Having been in therapy since the age of 12, I know firsthand just how powerful the process of finding the right therapist is. 
Going to therapy and talking things out with my therapist has made me happier, clearer, and most importantly, I have a plan for my mental health. I have tools to be able to communicate with others and also the tools to cope when life gets hard, which it does. So let me ask you a question. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, Therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with the therapist. There's a link in my description. It's betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with the therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stress out about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. I don't know where I would be without the help of therapy and my therapist, but I do know that life would feel that much harder. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this podcast. Yeah. Oh, so good. So for me, it started, you know, when I, my, my, um, journey of awakening, I started realizing everyone around me is white. <laughs> like all the people that I would call my closest friends, all the people that I would say, uh, inspire me. I look up to all the people that I have been reaching out to for support through coaching, through, uh, spiritual healing. They've all been white. What's that about? Right. So the first step for me was I had to really sit with why, am I making that a preference? Like what is the unconscious bias within me, the internalized oppression within me that thinks that white is better or white is uh, more valuable or uh, more worthy of my time, my attention, my money. Um, And then it goes back to, again, making that conscious choice to start expanding who is in your network, um, to start reaching out and making connections with people that you see. Um, I'm highly introverted, so I can get that this is very uh, uncomfortable and awkward. (laughs) I'm very like, yeah, it's not my natural tempo. Um, But we, we really have to reach across, you know, when you see that, um, woman of color out there, you know, don't think, well, maybe she doesn't want to connect with me. Like take a chance. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I made a friend, um, I joined a a course last year and it was a, it was like a priestess course and it was led by a white woman and, um, it was really good course. Like I joined it, but it was before my kind of awakening. I was kind of midway there. But the reason that I wanted to join the course was two reasons. Um, she seemed to be making a real effort to be at least more intersectional when it came to, um, gender and sexuality, because she herself was a, a, um, a queer woman. 
-hmm. And when I looked at kind of the teachers, there were a few more teachers of color in there, a few people of color in there. So I joined the course and then there was another woman of color there and, um, she, we, we, we didn't really have a conversation, but then as I began to wake up, to wake up more to kind of race and white supremacy, I kind of was on my own journey. So I was like, I don't really feel like participating in this course. I kind of dropped out. Um, and at the same time, so did one of the other women of color, but she reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, we were in this course together. Um, you know, when we first had our group call, you're, energy just really spoke to me and I just really wanted to connect with you. So I thought I'd reach out and connect to you. Could we like have a conversation? I was like, yeah, of course. You know, so we, she's a black woman. We ended up having a zoom call, (laughs) falling in love with each other. Basically, (laughs) It was like a meeting a kindred soul. And then at the end of the call, I said, you know, I'm, I'm coming over to America uh, next month. And she said, oh, where? And I told, I said, Macon. And she's like, get out. You know, my parents-in-law live there. Um, so she's like, I'm coming. And we ended up meeting the next month. Um, and we ended up, we, we've created this beautiful friendship, but it started with taking a chance. Like she saw me as like one of the rare other women of color in this course and was like, I need to make a connection there. Um, and so we have to, work against the internal biases that allow us to go to the default position, which says white and actually reach out to those women of color that we're seeing, um, and start building connections with each other. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean every black woman or brown woman out there is like amazing and you're going to be best friends with them. And, you know, you're going to have something in common with them just because they are a woman of color. Um, right. Because not necessarily, but you won't know unless you make the connection, unless you take that risk. I, I know, uh, plenty of, Indian girls, Indian women that, you know, we like the only thing we have in common is the fact that we're Indian. Right. There's really nothing of substance there, mostly because, you know, I'll find that I'll, I want to go deep. I want to get to know you, you know, and we're like, uh, what are you doing? Crazy. (laughs) You know, know, it's not that you need to be friends with every single one, you know, woman of color, but it's like, you know, definitely don't be shy to at least make that connection so I want to go back to the self-care um so the question that I originally that I had originally written to for you is what are some self-care tips for women of color um with emotional battle fatigue um Mm. I kind of wanted to know specifically like maybe three to four things specifically that you do that has really helped you that have really helped okay that's really good okay Uh, First thing is my sisters. Um, You know, we were just talking about making those connections and I have really solid um, relationships with a handful of women of color um, who, who get it, who are on that journey, who have been on that journey, who are themselves um, like we have very similar values. So we can really go deep and have those conversations and at the same time, they like we're we, we're very clear that it's not just about like bitching; it's about growth. 
Um, and so I have those solid relationships and that's where I return to when I'm being like when I'm really in it and I'm really stuck. Um, so that's the first one. And then the second one actually is that I, I have invested in a mentor. Um, and that it, it had been a really long time since I had worked with anyone um, which is interesting because I, up until last year, I was coaching myself. I was, I was coaching other people. Um, but I just couldn't find, I just wasn't able to find the right kind of coach for me. Um, and then this year I was, I came to my mentor on my knees and was like, I am burnt out. I am angry all the time. Um, I don't feel like myself, you know, I I noticed that when I took pictures of myself, like when I took selfies of myself, like something didn't look right in my eyes. I looked dead inside, uh, all the joy, everything had left me and I didn't want to be that way. And I didn't, I didn't want to be that way for myself. And I also, I also know that as a writer, my writing will carry the energy that I'm holding. So if I'm going to be a writer who's responsible with my words, I need to make sure that I'm really taking good care of my energy. So I invested in a mentor um, and that has been life-changing for me. Um, The third thing um, is uh, personally, I, for me, poetry is really like soul food. It's nourishment. Um, and so I love to like be by myself, like make space for myself and just be with like poetry and be with, um, like books and, and just like really introvert, like really like go into hermit mode, um, and take care of myself. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, um, it depends. Like recently I started, uh, I had a, a, a Reiki healing session because I had some energy that I needed to move as well. That was stuck. Yeah. Um, so I will just, I, I tend to just like tune in and see what do I need? Um, at the minute right now, actually the work that I'm doing is around embodiment practices. So dance and movement, um, breath work, um, it's things to help me be in my body. Um, that, that's what I'm finding very healing at the moment. I really like that. It's simple. You don't have to spend a ton of money. I mean, you don't really have to spend any money to do that, you know? No. Um, and it really is just tapping into yourself, reaching out to somebody who gets you and who's been there, who's, you know, who's a few steps ahead and then right. also that community. Um, and then also, um, your podcast is still called The Wild Mystic Woman, right? Podcast? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So guys, you can go over to Wild Mystic. Um, sorry, look for Wild, Wild Mystic Woman podcast. Join the community. Listen to what Layla has to say. All really, really good stuff. Uh, I, I promise you, you will not be disappointed at all. Um, in fact, we're probably just going to listen and be like, oh my God, this woman gets me. <laughs> I have people telling me like, I just binge listened to your podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, I mean, I, I have to tell you this, the way that you write, I'm sure you hear this all the time. The way that you write, the fact that you capture what I, what's in my head and I have such a complicated mind, right? Like I've been blessed with a very complicated mind, but <laughs> it, the 
I feel so gotten when I read your stuff. So keep, keep, keep just. Thank you. Sorry, I sound like a cheerleader, but I mean it. Uh, I love it. Thank you. (laughs) I receive it. Thank you. Well, all right. So next question. Uh, You talk a lot about this. Actually, that's kind of where I got the inspiration for this question. What kind of boundaries do women of color absolutely need to put in place to preserve their energy? Oh, my gosh. Boundaries to me are everything. Um, And I'm like fierce with them. Um, for me, boundaries, yeah, boundaries are, are a form of self-love and self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, for me, it's also about being really clear with people so that, like, there's no stickiness in the interaction, mm-hmm. um, right? So I'm clear on what, you know, when, it, when someone is coming into conversation or interaction with me, you know, I feel like if I can be just really upfront around what is and what isn't okay, mm-hmm. then there isn't like a, there isn't stickiness. I don't have to be passive aggressive. I don't, I've already told you upfront that this is how we're going to roll. This is what, this is from my perspective, if you're coming into my space. And I think as women of color, it's really important because that emotional battle fatigue that you were talking about is really real. Um, And being a woman of color anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, there's going to be some weird dynamics going on, right? I'm not in in America and I still have to be, because I'm a black woman, still have to be um, clear with myself on my boundaries. Um, and with other people on my boundaries. And so I think it's something that we're not often taught how to do because we're expected to just be nice girls and allow people to do whatever they want, basically. Um, Allow people to treat us however they want. Um, But something my dad taught, taught us and kind of lived for, has lived for himself is this idea of you teach people how to treat you and how to be in relationship with you by the way that you communicate with them. Yes, you try. I hear a different version. I think you just said it though. I, you know, I, no, sorry. You train people how to treat you. Exactly. I got to tell you, when you put your boundaries up, girl, on Facebook, I'm like, holy shit. You know, it's like, you cannot with this woman at all and it's like of course there's always going to be that person that crosses the boundary and then you got to remind them again what the boundary is you know right. I, but like I respect it I mean I would never cross your boundary you know what I mean <laughs> Thank I, you. Wouldn't. I, I would be too scared to cross your boundary but no obviously I would never cross anyone's boundary but it's also like you're so crystal clear on what the boundary is do you know what mm. I mean like only yeah. wouldn't be able to understand that Sorry, it's it's will it's willful. I think when people cross that boundary, because it's often like they're they're testing me to see if I mean it, and I'm like, yeah, no, I, I mean it. And and, and uh, you know, you don't have to be rude about upholding your boundaries. You know, I I am not rude with it, but I'm also I don't need to make excuses for it. I don't need to ex- over explain myself. Um, and there have been times where specifically. You know, I'll, I'll give people who are listening an example. Um, 
I posted an article on Instagram. Uh, a friend wrote an article. She's a black woman. Um, she wrote an article about why she was breaking up with intersectional feminism um, because she just doesn't feel like it really centers herself as a black woman. And the article really spoke to me. She also quoted one of uh, something from my writings in the article as well. So I shared it on Instagram with a specific uh, guideline that white people were not to comment on this post. Now, I maybe I needed, I needed, maybe I needed to explain why they needed to not comment. I felt like it was pretty obvious. This isn't something that requires the white gaze. It's, a, it's the story of a black woman saying she feels intersectional feminism is actually just white feminism and it doesn't serve or um, it doesn't serve her as a black woman. And that's why she's breaking up with it. We don't need white opinions on that. Um, so what happened, of course, I got pushback. Why, why are you saying this? Right. Next thing I know, the, po the post has been reported to Instagram and it's been removed by Instagram as being a violation of their community standards. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened to me. This is, that was probably the I don't know, 11th, 12th, 13th time it had happened to me. Um, but it's this like expectation that white people get to take up space anywhere all the time. Yes. And when a black woman or a brown woman says, no, actually in my space around these specific conversations, you don't get to take up space. This isn't for you. Um, that is very confronting to whiteness. And white people who have done their work get it, right? Who, white people who understand what racism is, what white supremacy is, what the white gaze is, um, they get it. They, they're just like, yes, of course, I don't need to comment here. I don't need to intrude into this space. Um, but those who haven't don't get it. And what they see it as is a kind of like a reverse racism situation where they are being excluded because of the color of their skin, that it's about me hating white people. Um, I had, a, I had a, a comment recently from a white woman that said, every time I encounter you, like this question comes up for me. And she, <laughs> she prefaced this with saying like, I really respect you. I like your work. I follow your work. But like, do you even want a connection with white women? And I thought, isn't that a thing? You're a complete stranger to me. And yet you feel it's okay to come into my space. And because you don't like the way that I uphold my boundaries, you've made up a story in your mind that I hate white women. When that isn't what this is about at all, me loving myself and honoring myself and having strong boundaries for myself as a black woman does not equal hating white women. Yeah. And that's that. Wait a minute. What about, okay, sorry. I'm like the immature one, but it's like, wait a minute. Why can't I say something like, I'm, I mean, that's what I get. <laughs> that's that the, the comments that I get. That's, right? that's, that's how I see it completely. And you don't have to be the one to say it. I'll say it, but if that's what you I, mean, yeah. I'll, yeah. And I get, I get it as well, because there's a, there's a, there's a certain part of it that is our collective wounding as women, where we feel like, where we know, where we have experienced, where we know in our body and our bones as women, 
that we have been excluded, marginalized, made small, um, our voices have been restricted. That is true regardless of race. But white women need to understand that in the specific interactions between women of color and white women, there is also an oppressor-oppressed relationship there as well. White women are the oppressed, but they're also the oppressors. And so in the same way that they don't want to be silenced by men, they have to understand that we don't want to be silenced by them. We don't want to be restricted in our self-expressions by them. Um, and so it's, it's just, it's very interesting to me, um, that when a black or brown woman is very, like, uh, sure of herself, very confident in herself, very unapologetic, that that is read as she hates white women. When the two are not, they're not related. (laughs) Yeah. And. I think that's what we fear as women of color in, in, in upholding boundaries is this idea of being called a bitch, basically, of being called the angry black or brown woman. Yep. Um, and we, I think we need to lean into that because we get to name and define ourselves. We don't have to be named and defined by what the white gaze says we are, that when they see us passionate, when they see us unapologetic, when they see us strong, that that reads to them as uh, bitch, angry, whatever. It's like, no, actually it's confidence. Actually it's self-love. Actually it's self-care. Actually it's, I I center myself. That's why. Um, And so it's learning how to have and and uphold good boundaries is is a really, again, it's a really radical act of self-love as as, uh, melanated women. So let me ask you this. Um, I know we're, I know we're wrapping up here, you know, in, you know, you have no problem speaking up. You don't. And I, and, and honestly, that's why I reached out and I was like, Oh my God, I just can't wait to hear you talk. Um, You know, in this day and age, why is it imperative for women of color to speak up, lean into the conversation rather than shy away from, you know, seemingly uncomfortable conversations. By the way, I don't think conversations are uncomfortable at all. I just have to say that. I, I just think you, you're not a you're not you're you're a very unapologetic person, though. <laughs> you're I'm very not, comfortable I'm in not, yourself. Nothing's uncomfortable. It's more uncomfortable if we don't talk about it. Like that yeah. was me as a child. Like always wanted to call out the elephant in the room. So I'll just repeat that again. Uh, in this day and age, why is it imperative for women of color to speak up and lean in rather than shy away from uncomfortable conversations? So here's the thing. I don't, I actually don't think women of color need to, if they don't want to, like if they're just happy doing their thing, like do your thing. You don't have to, this isn't a responsibility you have. Like racism isn't the responsibility of women of color to bring to the table. It's, it's the responsibility of white people to confront and deal with. But what I do think is our invitation is to really learn how to own all of who we are as women of color. And so not to erase our own race, right? To like, I I wrote this article about um, 
it was called I Built a White Feminist Temple and Now I'm Tearing It Down. And it was this article about how basically I'd spent all this time building this business, not realizing that everyone else in my business, my clients, my podcast guests, my readers, my everyone else was white, basically. And I was a minority. Um, and, and so what I made the conscious choice to do was to tear that temple down and rebuild it in a way that had values that were black feminists, that were intersectional, that were womanist. Um, and so in doing that, that will lead to conversations around race and justice, right? And, and so I think that happens just simply because our identities are political. The minute you begin to see yourself as a black woman and not as just a woman, you 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 can't you, you kind of can't close your eyes to it anymore, and so it be, it does become a political justice uh, oriented conversation. But the extent to which each one of us wants to lean into that uh, feels called to host those conversations publicly. I think that is really um, something we need to de- decide for ourselves um, individually. I have friends who are black women and we have these conversations privately, but they're not called to talk about these things in the way that I do, but they really support me behind the scenes, like really support me so that I'm able to do what I'm able to do. Um, and so I, I think we, we, part of honoring ourselves as women of color is listening to how we are being called to show up and honoring that, not feeling like, oh, I need to show up like Leila, I need to show up like Vasavi, I need to, you don't have to. If that's not what calls to you, don't. But if it, it does, go for it. <laughs> if it. If it's like, oh, finally, yes, I am ready to have these conversations, own it, step up, say it. Um, nobody's going to be able to say it the way that you're able to say it. Nobody's going to be able to say it to the people who are listening to you, who have, you've had their ear all this time. Um, they're going to listen to you in a way that they might not listen to a complete stranger. Um, and so go, you know, really lean in there if that's what you're being called to do. But just, again, just know that it's not your responsibility if you don't want to. Well, that, that's, that's a great segue into the last question. And we talked about it in the beginning about, you know, just uh, education and how we take on, you know, in every single one of my relationships, I've always been the teacher. Like, like in all my intimate relationships, I've always picked men where I have to teach them like how to live. And Mm -hmm. I just got really tired of it. I got really tired of it. It, It's, it's no one's fault, right? Like I, I I was always just attracted to men that I got to teach. And, Mm. uh, you know, I just turned 36 and I'm like, that's exhausting. I don't want to do that. (laughs) I, I, I want to be taken care of. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to educate right. spirituality. I don't. I really don't. Just be spiritual. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, right. I don't want to do that. So this leads me into my uh, last question, Layla. I've heard you say a lot about it not being the job of women of color to educate white people. Um, why do you say that? Um, and what can women of color do instead? Is there anything that they can do or, or should we just not engage in conversation? If, if a white person's like, well, tell me, 
tell me how slavery has anything to do with the, you know, current state of affairs in our country. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah. what do you say? Yeah. Okay. So the reason that I say that is because doing that requires a level of emotional labor, which takes away from our own energy. It takes away from our own joy. It puts us in a state where we have to go into that trauma, that trigger, that wound, and hold it up for white people in order for them to believe us. Right. And, and actually, um, it is, it's cruel to say, Hey, you know, I know that you're living with this oppression daily, but on top of that, I also want you to like break it down for me into bite-sized chunks, like create a curriculum for me and explain everything to me and also answer any questions that I might have around this specifically in my life. So what that does is that puts you into a state of stress and uh, having to give free educational, emotional labor. It takes away from what you were going to do. Whatever your plan was for the day has gone out the window the minute you say yes, uh, unconsciously or unintentionally. If you were gonna, maybe your plan was to go out and like, write a poem that day or your plan that day was to go work on your website or your plan was to spend time with your kids and have a really great day, you're now in a state of stress, of anger, of exhaustion because you just spent all this time answering these questions around things that are actually affecting you in a really negative way. And so that's why it's not the job of people of color in fact, it's not the job of of anyone who is um, of, what's the terminology that I want to use? Like, it's not the job, for example, of a lesbian person to explain to a straight person uh, how they're oppressed. It's not the, it's not the job of a, a, a disabled person to explain to an able-bodied person how they are oppressed. It's not, it's never the job of like the person who is oppressed to explain to the oppressor because it comes at their at the cost of their own life force energy. It comes at the cost of their own um, joy, um, time, um, you know, every, everything that, that would fill them up gets drained out. Um, and so this is why it's really important if white people are wanting that education to actually go and take classes, uh, read books, um, listen to podcasts, like go out and do that educational work, like do the legwork yourself. You know, I wrote like, I wrote a piece, I wrote two pieces last year um, uh, that were viral that I need to talk to spiritual white women about white supremacy part one and part two. And at the, at the end of part two, it was like this list of resources, you know, podcasts, courses, like people to follow, books to read, et cetera, et cetera. That was like, okay, you, you've been asking me for kind of a list of resources. Here they are. Here they are. And yet I still get questions of like, but can you just explain this to me? Right? And so it becomes like, so at what point does it stop then? So can if I, I say, yeah, go ahead. Ask you a question just to play devil's advocate, not like I agree with you. I just, so what if, what if I'm in conversation with somebody and I don't mind educating them? 
that then that's fine. See, the difference, the difference is when it's an intentional choice and that, you know, you, you have to know what saying yes actually means for you. Right. And so you have to know that, yes, you know what? I feel like saying yes, because this person is someone I value, or I feel like they're really open to listening, or I feel safe with them and they're not going to, um, uh, use, uh, like racist microaggressions against me. Um, I feel very well resourced. I feel very grounded. I feel like I have an overflow to give from, you know, when I'm in that space, like when I'm feeling filled up, I'm much more open, um, to, to those kind of questions. Um, and so it, it, it for me, it's all about making it an intentional choice. It's not no, never, don't ever ask me. Right. But it's like, you need to understand as the person asking, the person who's asking needs to understand what the asking would entail for me. Yeah. Right. They need to understand that it's not just like I'm an encyclopedia because I'm a black woman, open it up anywhere, ask any question that you might have. Right. I get questions like strangers will like send me questions. So what do you think about like kimonos is, is wearing kimonos cultural appropriation? It's like, I don't know you. <laughs> you just, you just like dipped into me. Like I'm Google. Right. Yes. And, and you're ex <laughs> dipped into me. Like I'm Google. That is great. <laughs> right. And I will say google.com <laughs> when they ask me if I feel like answering. Sometimes I don't, I just don't answer you because know, I got to yeah. tell you where I got to put my boundary, Layla, something like I, uh, if I hear something saying, you know, if I hear someone, you know, a white person saying something like completely racist, I still have to jump in and say something because I cannot sit with the cruelty of what I'm hearing. Mm. Uh, I don't, that does exhaust me, by the way. It does, because I put my full energy into being like, no, that is not just. So right. I struggled with like, do I sit by and not say anything? Because you know me in my mouth. I'm not going to just sit by and listen <laughs> an asshole you know what I mean or do I jump in and say something I've always struggled this one nine out nine times out of ten I will always say something always um the uh, you know the instance that I won't say something is because I literally don't have any energy to say anything right yeah. so something that I've started doing more and more is like I start looking at like who else is it like who else is watching the conversation and so if there's other white people around, I'm like, you need to say something. <laughs> like, why are, you, why are you expecting me to say something? You know, what? this, you yeah. should be saying something because it's wrong. No, it shouldn't just be because I'm black that I have to say something. If you see something happening that's wrong, you need to say something. Um, and so a lot of times I will, I actually make the choice not to engage because I think part of it for me as well, specifically is because I have a lot of, um, people uh, like in in my community mm -hmm. and so it's like me I'm one person and if I jump in on everything like I'm not gonna have anything left for me mm -hmm. um and so I I actually make the choice to say to not say anything um and and I always get myself in trouble in terms of like how I feel afterwards, if I jump in without having checked in with myself first, 
And that checking in is like, do, like, do I have the energy for this? Like, do I have the time for this? Am I well equipped to, to do this right now? Yeah. Um, because it can like spiral really fast. And, um, you know, in my Instagram community, for example, I've seen other black women jump in and I have to tell them like, just take care of yourself. You don't have to engage here. You don't have to engage here. Go take care of yourself. Focus on yourself. You know, take care of your energy. Um, put yourself first. Um, let let the other white people here, let the allies step in and say something. Um, and if it, go, it starts going, it, you know, and it, when it's in my space, it's different, right? Like in my space, it's like coming into my house. If you're coming onto my page, you're coming to my space, like I get to say what the rules are. It's not a public forum. It's my space. <laughs> so if you don't want if you don't want to respect what those rules are then I will ask you to leave I will ask you to first stop talking and if you don't stop then I will ask you to leave and if you don't leave then I will block you yeah right it's like a like a escalation process that happens there right but when it's in my space I can control what's going on if I'm going into someone else's space I really have to be mindful of why am I, why do I feel like I need to say anything? Am I um, grounded enough to say what I want to say the way that I want to say it without regrets? And I, I've had a, a situation recently where I jumped into a conversation where I should not have jumped in because I was mad about something else that had happened. And I'd already had a, uh, another um, situation happen with this person. Um, but I jumped in against my own judgment and it had repercussions because I wasn't responsible with my words. I wasn't responsible with my energy. Other people got hurt because I wasn't clear on my intentions. Um, and so it makes me be very like, oh, there's a lesson. Like you don't have to be guns blazing all the time. You don't have to jump in on everything all the time. Um, and is there a better way? Like you don't have to be... Like not choosing to engage doesn't mean that you're just silent. It just means what would be a better way for me to, to create what it is that I'm wanting instead of this. And I think that's good because, yeah, giving, um, sorry, not saying anything doesn't mean that you're giving up or that you're agreeing. It just means that you're uh, choosing to conserve your energy for, and, 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 know. and channel it in better ways because Vasavi, like white supremacy is like works around the clock. Like it works overtime. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so you, you know, engaging in that one conversation, spending all your energy. And the next thing you know, the next day, another situation comes around and you don't have any energy left. There's also a way to be about it. You know what I mean? As long as like, I'm very passionate when I speak, I've learned how to harness my energy a little bit better. I think as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I don't need to go balls to the wall every time mm -hmm. point, you know, and that's something that I think has come with me getting older, me just going through a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in the past year. Um, I just, I just don't want to. So um, mm. with that being said, is there, is there anything left that you want to, you want to share? First of all, I would love people to know just how they can read your stuff, where they can read it. If they want to go to your website, all that good stuff, Layla. Okay. Um, I think that, so I'll say the last thing that I want to leave people with, which is especially the brown and black people who are listening, the indigenous people who are listening, is 
I want to celebrate you and I want you to celebrate yourself and I want you to own fully who you are, whatever your work is, whatever your expression is. Like you, you don't have to um, fit into anyone's box of what it means to be a black woman, a brown woman, an indigenous woman. You be your own expression of that. You know, I have like, because of, because of the topics that I write about, one of the labels that I often get um, defined as is an activist. And I have to be constantly reminding people, I'm not an activist. Just because I'm black and woman and I speak about race, that doesn't automatically make me an activist. Um, the activists are on the front lines doing community organizing and rallies and protests. That to me is what an activist is. Um, I'm not that. And so we, we, we get to define ourselves and we get to define what our expression is. We don't have to be, we don't fit, we don't fit into like one monolithic, like, um, version of what it means to be black or brown or indigenous. We get to be our own expressions of that. So fully own it. Um, whatever that looks like for you. Um, where people can find my work, you can find me at wildmysticwoman.com. Um, and that's where a lot of my essay, like long form essays are. Um, you can also find me, and, and that's, sorry, that's also where you'll find my podcast and you'll also find the podcast on Apple iTunes. Um, it's the Wild Mystic Woman podcast. You can also find me on Patreon, and it's patreon.com forward slash Leila Saad. And that's where I share shorter pieces and kind of more what I'm, what I'm processing, what I'm working through. Um, they're not kind of long form essays, they're more down to earth uh, kind of pieces. And um, where else? And you can find me on Instagram. I actually just deleted my Facebook account, I think two days ago. Wait a minute. I was just. I saw you write something about that. Is that. Yeah gone I needed space um it was about energy <laughs> my energy was going and how my energy was feeling and so I was like I don't have to be here like why do I need to keep coming back to this place where my energy doesn't feel right anymore here yeah. um so I temporarily disabled my account I don't have a plan of if or when I'll be back if for when it feels good then I will Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I am on Instagram. Um, and you can find me there at Wild Mystic Woman. Which is way better anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a Instagram person anyway. I just feel, I have thought about that. In fact, uh, I think it's like two weeks until you, until you, un, like until it completely goes away, right? So. What's that? When you deactivate your account, they don't delete it for like another. No, it's not deleted. It's just hidden. You just can't find it. If I log back into Facebook, it will reactivate it. That's a really good idea. Mm. That is a very good idea. I'm glad that you did that for yourself. Yeah, it feels feels really good. It's interesting because I actually deactivated my Instagram account a couple of months ago. And that was something I needed to do as well because people were not respecting my boundaries. And like I said, I had a lot of um, anger at that time. And that was when I shut everything down. It was like, I need to work with a mentor. And so having done that healing work, I'm like, I'm ready to, to hold that kind of energy now. And I'm really grateful. I mean, the, the, the people who are there in, in my community there are, are largely respectful and 
understand that it's not just a space you're coming into. There's this kind of like thing on social media, I think, where we think that it's just like, we can just comment, we can just say whatever, like it's a public forum. But to me, it's like you're going into someone's house and then just like coming in with your muddy shoes, kicking things around and expecting that you can just do whatever. And in my house, um, shoes off when you come in. So. Exactly. Ours too. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to cultivate is um, a space where it's an intentional space. It's a sacred intentional space. And we have to be mindful of what the power and privilege dynamics are. And we have to be mindful that it's, especially for the white people who are following there, that that is a in in and of itself, they are getting a free education there. Thank you so much, Layla, for being on today's episode of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Listen up, y'all. If anything that Layla said to you and shared in this interview resonated with you um, and you're wondering what's the next step, the next best step is to get her book, Me and White Supremacy. You can find it everywhere where books are sold. If you want to head to my website at vasavikumar.com forward slash resources, you can find her book there. But Get her book, do the work, start dismantling those beliefs, take care of yourself in the process. This is not an opportunity for you to beat yourself up. It's an opportunity to go within and really understand how you think, how you speak, and how you show up. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. For even more inspiration, motivation, and no BS advice on how to get anything you want in life, book a call with me over at vasavikumar.com. If you love today's episode, be sure to screenshot it and tag me at Hire Vasavi, H-I-G-H-E-R Vasavi. Feeling extra generous? Leave the podcast a positive review on iTunes. And remember this, when you know yourself, you can be, do, and have anything you want. If you love today's episode, then say it out loud. Subscribe, leave a review, and come say hi over on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. Until next time, say it out loud.